and I hated it. I, I learned to despise email marketing. But something that I learned at Pressnomics was you have to do email marketing. Like, you really do. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Pagely. Pagely, where we help big brands scale WordPress, it's enterprise WordPress hosting in the Amazon cloud. If you're building big, powerful WordPress websites for your clients, you need big, powerful hosting, and Pagely delivers. I use Pagely for my websites and e-commerce shops, so I trust their service, and I have no issues recommending them to you. Look, I only bring on sponsors that I trust. And who else trusts Pagely? Verizon, eBay, Disney, Twitter, and more. You can see that right on the homepage of their website. Pagely is the OG of WordPress managed hosting, and they're innovating the market every single day. If your clients trust you to write scalable code, then trust Pagely to host it for you. Check out pagely.com. Season four, episode four with my buddy Dan Cameron. This is a long episode. I hope you stick around all the way till the end because it's really a journey down a path that I think a lot of us might even be afraid to admit in our business that it's almost like this blue collar, hard effort put forward. I'm just going to do good work. I don't need to scale. I don't need to be an iThemes, a studio press, an opt-in monster. You know, there's, there's something, there's the artisanal value right, of doing this stuff. And it's almost a mom and pop mentality, but for software sales. And I hope my guest today, Dan Cameron, doesn't get offended by those words because it's something that I'm looking at more and more of why do we need this attitude of world domination, hustle, crush it, all of that stuff, uh, when you can make a great living doing stuff that you love in the WordPress space and even beyond the WordPress space as we scale to grow other software solutions uh, on the web, it really opens up a different kind of opportunity than uh, generations past. And it's something that I'd really love to explore more in, uh, in and around the space. I, I really hope you do enjoy it. Samantreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. And as always, please thank the sponsors for keeping us going here. It's Pagely and Valet. Let's get into the show. Hey, Dan, welcome to the program. Hey, Matt. Uh, hey, listen, we've, we've known each other for a little while now, in and out of the post-status Slack channel. Uh, we met at Pressnomics and had some whiskey together. Was it whiskey or bourbon? Yeah. Yeah, whiskey. Uh, had a great time. Yeah, yeah, and tacos. Those tacos were good. Yeah. Um, so you run a little site called sproutapps.co but for folks who don't know who you are give us that two minute elevator pitch of who you are and what you do um that's just it uh dan cameron i live in ventura california and uh i have a business that provides for my family that's sprout apps and uh the main product that we have is an invoicing app the other product that maybe many of your listeners have heard of is uh help scout desk it's um Plug in for help scat. I'm so this show is going to be a little bit different 
a few, let's see, was it, uh, we're, this is season four, I think in season two of the Matt Report, um, we did a teardown, uh, sounds so harsh, <laughs> but we did a teardown no, that's uh, fine. of your website, um, and we went through some of the, the bits and pieces uh, from, you know, like a marketing perspective, from a copywriting perspective, uh, organizational perspective, mm-hmm. and I, I sort of want to like dabble in some of those areas in this in this episode as well um and are you are you going to ask me why i didn't do any of your recommendations <laughs> is that the deal <laughs> that no i you know I, what i should do is just pull up the blog post that we highlighted that stuff in and say why haven't these things been fixed because <laughs> um, i'm lazy <laughs> but i've noticed that uh you have an end of summer sale still running at the top of the page. I like that. Limited time uh, expires. And I want to get into some of these little tactics that you run. Oh, yeah. But before we do that, um, we were chatting a little bit before the show and, and sort of giving you the overview of, of how, we, how we do the recordings here. And one of the things you mentioned was, hey, look, Matt, you know, happy to share with you know, whatever I can. Um, happy to get into these things, but you know, I am not a... Uh, you know, I am not a thought leader or industry leader in this stuff. I'm a guy who is putting out software and it provides for my family, which I think is the perfect introduction that you had in the beginning of this, right? Most of us say, you know, a lot of listeners like, oh, how, how much are you selling this month? What's your revenue numbers year after year? Are you on, you know, a 20% increase? Look, you provide for your family, that's enough right there, right? Like, that's what we need to know. Um, but I think a lot of us are in that situation where every bit of this is testing the waters. Uh, you know, you put a pop-up on one page, it doesn't work, uh, you take it off. Um, you try some copywriting, it doesn't work, well, you switch it up, you know, next month. We're not, I don't think any of us are masters at this stuff, especially at our size. And I'm talking the one to... 12 person shop uh you know if you're making plugins or doing providing services i think we're all in this sort of learning phase constantly it's the best way to be in my opinion but what do you think uh you know how long have you been how long have you been doing this how long have you been selling plugins successfully um i did client work for the last well let's say eight years ago i went into freelance and a couple years into it um I was hired by a client to do a product for WordPress called Group Buying Site. It was a Groupon competitor, not a competitor, but it was one of those plugins that you could just put on your site and build your own Groupon. And it it turned out to be a really successful plugin. And we ended up working on that for about um, four years. Uh, that was my full-time job with another friend of mine locally. And some other developers helped me um, actually developers that I learned from to make this product. So I, I was doing that for about four years. I, I didn't have like a stake in it. I was just um, doing freelance, but I was able to run um, the day-to-day business. Uh, the client that I had was very good. He um, just essentially wrote checks for us. And uh, I learned a lot. And since we all forget about Groupon, um, that plugin wasn't doing too well two years ago. And we came to a, um, I came to a fork in the road and I decided whether to go back into client services, maybe 
get another big project like I was on or uh, build my own product. And uh, so I've been doing this since uh, middle of 2014, maybe a little bit early, um, maybe in the February, March time frame. Sure. Um, but it took me about three or four months to actually like build the product that I could uh, release. Um, those summer months for uh, for a dad are like the worst for productivity, of course. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it took me a while to build it, but I was finally able to um, get my first sales in August of uh, um, of uh, twenty fourteen. Yeah. What? So did you from going back to your days of client services and? you know, working with, obviously working with clients and billing them specifically is, is, was that the genesis of this idea where you said, you know what, I'm doing this now. I don't have a good solution for it, or I don't feel like paying absorbent fees, uh, monthly to big SaaS companies to do this stuff. And, and that's where the idea came from, or did you do some market research? How did it, how did it all boil down? Uh, um, well, you know, the logical answer would be market research, right? But it, it really didn't come down to that. Um, it came down to me just trying to, well, me determining that I wanted to do my own product. I, I did a product for somebody else for four years. I thought I knew how I should do it. I thought I knew I could easily like make a WordPress plugin and become profitable within the first few months, just like um, this group buying site plugin did. Um, little did I know that's not how it works, but, um, uh, I, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to do a product and then, uh, I always really wanted to do an invoicing plugin because I thought that, um, the, the common workflow of accepting an estimate and then creating an estimate and then, um, I, I'm sorry, not accepting an estimate, um, uh, accepting like a, a request for an estimate. Mm -hmm. And then creating the estimate, getting the estimate accepted, then creating an invoice and all that whole workflow was atrocious. And um, I was a FreshBooks user for a very long time. At that time, I was a Harvest user. And um, I thought um, maybe I could build a WordPress product that could help out with that workflow because I knew that um, most of us designers and developers, right, are freelancers accept um, estimates on our website mm. and then we through like gravity forms or ninja forms or something like that and then um, we just go back into harvest or freshbooks create our estimates send out the estimate and then harvest and freshbooks they don't have like an instant invoice so like once you get an estimate accepted then you have to go back in and then copy and paste all that information over to the to create an invoice now I believe they've um, done a better job with that workflow, but at that time there wasn't. Um, I also need to give like credit to my friend Nick Orn because uh, I had a lot of discussions with him about like, you know, what do I do? And he he actually said that um, he wanted to do like a business suite where um, there's invoicing, CRM app, um, and I, I, I sort of took his idea because I knew that he wasn't going to go and do it <laughs> on his own. So I, I, I just rolled with it and um, out of his suggestion and out of his like guidance, I was just able to just go for it. And, you know, that's what I did. Um, 
This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by the team at Valet. Valet helps brands unleash their potential with real-time metrics, intelligent recommendations, and that age-old method of having an awesome team to back it all up. See, my friends at Valet are up to something really, really cool. But first, let me ask you this question. Every time you build a website for a client, don't you feel like you're making the web a better place? Well, here's the thing. Valet's got something in the works that will let you back that claim up. It's called Valet Metrics, and you can get your free website snapshot over at valetmetrics.com. It's an amazing tool. You get in-depth analysis of a website covering security, speed, usability, traffic, conversions, all wrapped up in this beautiful reporting dashboard that provides action, not fluff. You and Valet, making WordPress and the web a better place. Get your snapshot at valetmetrics.com. What was uh, the, can I, can, if you can remember when, yeah. when you were sort of exiting the, uh, the Groupon style plugin and, and going into this and you mentioned like, Hey, I, I get a lot of experience from that. And I think I can make my plugin as successful because it's going to be like, I learned a lot. Do you, yeah. do you remember what those b- points were that you thought were going to be easy? Like, was it something that you saw that kind of it's a weird question. I know it's like, it was, what were those points where you thought that was going to be so easy that, yeah, I'll just do this and this next business and it'll work for me. But obviously it wasn't as easy, <laughs> but do you remember yeah. what those were that kind of faked you out a little bit? Not really, but I can like just start talking and maybe something will come out. Sure. But, um, <laughs> uh, so at the time I believe that I, it was a surprise to me. The group buying site was a complete surprise to me. So I think my thought was that if I built something there is a need for, and I believe that an invoicing uh, plugin there was a need for, uh, actually like creating workflows and, and just doing a better job than the current product that was out there, um, I thought that need would provide, right? I thought that just having that need available would be, um, would be, uh, enough for me to get the downloads that I needed, the purchases that I needed. Now I didn't do any like market research, right? I, my assumption was the need that I assumed in my head. So, so yes, that, that could be like a logical, um, thing to think about or uh, something to actually think about, which was, um, you know, is there a need? Yes. Okay. Well, how do you quantify that need? Is it just like something in your gut? I mean, I went about it the total wrong way. I mm-hmm. thought that freelancers and designers, developers, right, they have the need that I have. So why not? All I have to do is just get that out to them. Yeah. And I thought that uh, that I had somewhat of like I knew how to get my voice out there, but that was very hard to do too. Sure. Um you know, it's it's funny that you bring this up because I think that a lot of folks are, and, and I'm as guilty as anyone, right? So I have these ideas and I'm like, well, of course people are going to, you know, want this solution. Uh, you know, it, it's scratching my itch and, you know, you show it to a few people and a few other people are like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I'd use that, right? Um, but certainly not the case when you go to launch you find you know you hear those crickets but it worked for you right in the long run 
maybe yeah. maybe you did market research if you hopped in your DeLorean with Michael J. Fox and went back in time and you convinced yourself to do market research, maybe you would have never launched it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, and because I really yeah. think that the the business building process is is it's just an art it's it's to me it's becoming more of an art form right it's you paint something you don't like it you throw it out you paint another version you don't like that one either (laughs) and you paint another version until you finally like what you're looking at and i feel like a lot of this stuff uh is very much is very much that and if you start to try to do this hard science for every step of the way it becomes a job it becomes a task and sometimes when you throw the cards up in the air and let them land, uh, eventually, you know, it, they land the right way for you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And at the time, I, I do want to mention that, you know, at the time, um, maybe m- my naiveness was based on my confidence in how to do the operations, the day-to-day of a plug-in, right? So I wasn't on the business side. I wasn't you know, being influenced by, um, other plugin authors learning from them. That actually was a process that, uh, I took during the launch or after the launch. I found out that I needed to be a different type of business owner. I I couldn't just, you know, build a plugin, put it in the plugin repo, um, and get paid. You know, I, I needed to actually market. I needed to, um, get influenced by those influencers of our community. I needed to, I needed to learn. I, and I definitely learned a lot in those early, uh, in that first year, actually. One of the things that you mentioned in the beginning, um, again, in the pre-show when we were talking about this stuff is look, I try, I don't know if I'm doing it the best way. I probably don't care if I'm not doing it the the best way. Um, and you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to stand up and sort of sell myself, which maybe we can talk about now. I mean, getting your voice out there and being able to position yourself, you know, maybe not as an industry leader or a market leader, but to find a thread of confidence that a, that the product that you're building is is going to be useful to somebody and you're confident in the fact that my product or my suite of products is is useful to somebody and i and i take the yeah. time to build it and 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 support it uh, i guess what lessons did you learn in in year one about sort of just building up the confidence to speak about your product and, and share your product that you needed to do and not just throw it in the repo and hope that people showed up Pressnomics has been really helpful. I learned a lot, um, not only through the um, through the the conversations that we had, like at lunches, but also the meeting or the um, the conference in general, like the speakers. Um, I, in the first year, I, I think the one thing that really helped me was um, persistence, I guess, and not giving up. Uh, James from Ninja Forms had an article a couple years ago, and it was about the same time I was thinking of like wrapping it up. Um, I, I, 
I'll share some numbers. I've never like published numbers, but in that first year of 2014, so I launched in um, July, August uh, timeframe, I made $6,000 that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at that time, I thought that by the end of the year, I wanted to provide for my family. So I wouldn't be dipping into savings anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was a really difficult time. Um, uh, that article that, uh, that I can't <laughs> reference right now, um, that James, uh, wrote a while ago really helped me. And, um, not to say that I can read this article and say that, you know, I'm going to be the next, next ninja forms. It, it, it really told me that the reason why they were able to, to succeed is because they were persistent with it. And, um, that's the major thing that I learned, um, uh, now I, I can't just recommend anybody listening me saying that oh all you need to do is be persistent. I mean, you do need to work hard. You need to have some marketing efforts. You need to um, um, listen to your customers or prospective customers on what to do with the product because the assumptions that you made early on are fairly um, um, inaccurate. Let's just say that. Um, because you're, you're not building a product just for yourself at that time. You're building it for a lot of people. So you do need to listen to your customers. But, um, yeah, I think the, the major takeaway in that first 12 months was persistence. The, uh, I mean, I, I can't think of the sort of famous saying that I've, you know, I've seen a million times, but it's. It's, uh, it's something like, you know, you, you try, 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 and you're about to give up. And it was just right, like success was right around the corner, you know? And it was just like, if yeah. you just stayed one more day, you know, you would have been, uh, you know, starting to, to sort of elevate yourself. And success is different for so many people. It's, it's, there's different, uh, you know, levels of success. But one of the things that makes our industry so difficult, uh, especially when you're just starting out, is you you have you know there's this the transparency factor where everybody's posting like this month I made sixty three million dollars and yeah, and yeah. and all I did was you know uh, publish this blog post and I got three thousand leads from it uh, and I took out a fifty dollar Facebook ad and and people came you know and signed up and my funnel's converting at twenty percent and you're just like looking at it like what <laughs> you know and and God forbid if you turn on. Uh, mainstream media and you, you know, you see keeping up with the Kardashians and you follow Kevin Hart on Instagram and he's getting on his private (laughs) plane all the time. And you're just like, Oh my God. Like, and even more, like, I think that there's, and I I don't want to get too deep into this. This could be a whole episode unto itself, but like folks, if people who know Gary Vaynerchuk and I, I think a lot of people in this industry know Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, do you know who Gary is? Mm, sure. <laughs> so, uh, so Gary Vaynerchuk uh, started Wine Library TV. You know, very infamous for for being a you know very brash uh, public speaker, and he came up in sort of the coding world a little bit. But now he's much more of a uh, you know he went from starting a digital agency by himself and his brother, maybe so two of them, to now he probably has maybe almost like a thousand employees that work, and he's moving into this big high rise in New York and. He does the daily V anyway, very like in your face sort of rashness to him. And 
he talks about hustle and he wants to own the New York Jets one day. And I think that some of this content can really, number one, make somebody afraid to want to build something because they might look at it. And just like we talked about you doing market research, like you might say like, oh man, I'll never be like this guy. I'm not even going to try, right? I'm never even going to try this stuff. Or, or there's a certain like chemical reaction and I'd really like to talk to a psychiatrist about this stuff one day is there's a chemical reaction where by just watching his videos every day or by watching, you know, Kardashians that somehow your drive to succeed and, you know, become famous with air quotes in the air, no matter what it is you're trying to do, music, art, digital products, by watching these people succeed that it somehow satisfies your desire to succeed, right? Like couch yeah. pota- like a couch potato. Like you just watch this stuff and you're like, you know, oh man, I'll never get there, but this looks fun and it's sort of satisfying my desire. I'll never, I'll never reach that level of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of satisfies you. It's very scary that the, the transparency that goes on in, in our product world. And I would say that Pippin Williamson, who gets brought up a million times every episode, every episode that I produce, <laughs> uh, probably does it the best where he shares that, those revenue numbers, uh, occasionally. And, but also backs it up with like, this isn't all roses, you know? Yeah. This isn't the easiest thing to do in the world. Right. Yeah. Um, Although I th- but those numbers, those numbers get thrown out, and people don't listen to the exact message that he's giving out to, yeah, and it, it could feel like not only um, like enlightening, right, or not enlightening, but um, uh, motivational, mm-hmm. but it can also be intimidating too um, to those people that have tried, right, um, for those first three months, and you know nothing's happening, and they're like, well. I mean, Pippin did this and <laughs> look at that. So I've, it's one of those things that, you know, uh, it could be could be um, good and bad depending on who the person is listening. And, you know, uh, I take uh, I took a lot of things that Pippin said as um, motivational. So, yeah, uh, one of the uh, episodes from last season of the Matt Report. Uh, was with Rob Walling of, uh, you know, uh, Starts for the Rest of Us podcast and Drip platform, uh, which is an email marketing automation platform. And at the time, he had just sold uh, his company, Drip, to Lead Pages, or Lead Pages acquired, uh, you know, Rob and his team and the product itself, of course, to merge into the Lead Pages platform. And one of the things, sort of one of the highlights or the overarching storyline is he never thought his business would scale to the demands that it's scaled to uh, today, which was, you know, more servers, more storage space, more bandwidth, like all of like the, tech, the technical scaling. And then there's the hiring scaling of, I need another engineer. I need, now I need to get into marketing. And the business started growing when in fact he thought that he'd be able to manage this right like he thought that this would be a nice little business one day and maybe it made uh, tens of thousand dollars a month but you know 
he just wasn't r- really expecting it to take off, which is a good thing, but then a, a, yeah. a burden at the same time. What are your thoughts? Uh, you say you're a one, a one man shop, but you're providing for your family through these products. I mean, what does the future look like to you in terms of more product or sort of expanding to increase revenue? Or do you, again, is it just one of those things that you look at and say, yep, I'm going to tackle that when I feel the, the desire to. Um, right now things are great. Uh, my family is provided for, and you know, we get uh, a little bit more in sales than, or we Royal, Royal, we as our family get a little bit bonus, uh, the last few months. And so I can put into savings. So, um, future wise, I, I'm probably not one of the best, um, business owners in this like community because I don't have a, I don't have like a future plan. My, my future plan is to, to go at it the way that I'm doing. Um, be very scrupulous in my savings so that one day when no one buys sprout invoices, um, I have a backup. I I can move on to another product or I can move into another, um, product within WordPress or product outside of WordPress. Hmm. I do have, um, a lot of, uh, aspirations to do a lot of like different things. Um, like, a uh, for example, I, I do want Sprout invoices to, um, be, uh, be outside of WordPress. That's something that, you know, I think every WordPress product owner wants to do. That's one thing that I, I would really love to do, but it's something that I just can't do right now. Um, for from example, like, from like a technical overhead perspective, right? Yeah, because I, I, I do like the way it is now. Um, it, it's just me. I don't have, um, any, I don't pay for outside support. I do all the support. I do support in the morning and then I do development in the afternoon. My work week is the best right now. Um, I love it. And I think if I, changed that. Um, for example, if I brought in another product or if I, uh, proceeded to go a different route, then I would, um, I would interrupt my awesome work week. Right. Um, I don't have high hopes to make 25 grand a month or 50 grand a month or anything above uh, let's say, um, like 15, 15 is like the, the number, the, the number that I would just be so, so happy about. And right now it's like, it's right now it's in my, it's in the nut. So like I can pay all the bills. We can enjoy the lifestyle that we have in Southern California. And, um, it's great. Like, I think that if I, um, if I stick it out for the next, uh, whatever X years, three or four years or something doing what I'm doing now, then life is going to be excellent. And that's how I want this business to be at this moment, a lifestyle business. Probably one of the most amazing statements anyone has ever made on this show (laughs) because, and I'll tell you why, you know, when you at the, again, at the outset of the show, you say that I'm, uh, not really, sure that I have, you know, the confidence to stand up shoulder to shoulder with all of these other business owners. Well, no one has ever said that they 
have an awesome week, an awesome workplace, an awesome, you know, life. No one has ever really said that. Uh, and even when I listen to other podcasts of these startup owners, it's always feeding the machine. It's always yeah. grinding, hustling, working harder. They're making 50 grand a month in their product, but guess what? They're looking for outside funding. They're taking meetings. Um, they're battling okay. that. Uh, you know, there's another hire, which means more taxes, more training, more ramp up time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of that stuff, again, sort of akin to what I was saying with Rob, that it became a task. It became a business, it, you know, it became like you were actually reporting to a job every day. And yeah. It wasn't something that, that people enjoyed. And I think that you should, uh, and I know you have, I don't have to repeat it to you, but I think you should find uh, some definite uh, confidence in the business that you've built, not just, be, not just numbers wise, but yeah. you're, you're freaking happy doing it. <laughs> and so yeah. many of us aren't with some of the stuff that we're doing. So, I mean, good on you right there. Yeah. That's why, um, so I don't know if you want to like, maybe you want to talk about this a little later off the show or something, but that's why, um, when this whole review gate issue happened, um, I took it so personal, um, because it, it, it's not that, um, like something drastically affects my business, right. That I'm okay. Well, um, I'm sort of, you know, saddened by this or, or I am actually upset by it. Right. It, it's more of like I'm saddened by the way that that whole thing went down, because it, it, it's not like a direct assault on like my livelihood or anything like that. But or my business, I don't have pride in that. I have pride in the actual work that I do. I have pride in the um, um, in the in the business that I that I built in a way. But um, it's hard to it's really hard for me to like uh, define and talk about, but that, that, uh, what I'm trying to get across is like, uh, something like that affected me personally, not, um, oh, okay. Well, it, it came down to my bottom line or something, you know? Right. So, so I, I take my business like to heart. Like I go in when somebody is, um, upset about a product, about a product that I make then I want to make it right. You know, I, I want to be nice to them. And that's why I love doing support. Um, sometimes support is a, a burden more than anything, but I do like having conversations with my customers and hopefully they, you know, find that too. Um, sometimes they don't see that, but you know, I, I like talking to them. So, yeah, let's, let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about yeah. two, um, the 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 two uh, gorillas in the room one being this uh the review gate the other we'll we'll talk about in in a after that is the fresh book stuff but so and and I'm going to paraphrase it here feel free to expand upon it but yeah. uh you know it it was found that the plugin review team perhaps looked at the reviews and said some, the reviews of your plugins on WordPress.org saying like, oh, it looks like Dan is paying people to leave a review. So we're just going to go ahead and pull this plugin off of, of .org um, until it's rectified or is that how it was left off? Or, or were they trying to just like indefinitely pull it off? Um, no, it was pulled off until um, I resolved the issue. And... and uh, I'll need to clarify that it wasn't 
Okay, so the plugin review team um, contacted me directly about it, right? But um, to what they told me is the moderators of the forums um, saw an uptick in my reviews, and uh, they noticed a a link on my site that said uh, that I I mean I, I'm not trying to shy away that I had this uh, like, uh, but. I, I said, uh, if you review the free plugin, I will give you a discount for the pro license. So that's what they uh, came down on me with. Uh, they they not only the the most important thing is like they not only took down the plugin, which is fine. Like take down my plugin, give me a warning until like I resolve the issue. Um, my issue was that they deleted all of the reviews. Um, every single one of them. So, uh, at that time I, I had over a hundred five star reviews, about 28 of them were, um, were brought through this, like, I guess, promotion that I had, um, or marketing channel, whatever <laughs> your listeners want to, you know, hear. But, um, yeah, that, that was the result was all reviews were deleted um, my plugin was down for less than 24 hours, I believe. Um, but, uh, yeah, my soapbox, <laughs> my <laughs> soapbox moment is look, I think it's, you know, th there's so much here and my listeners probably just sick of hearing me rant about this stuff, but I, prov you know, I do plugins and themes as well and, and not anywhere even near the, the level that, that, that. Uh, you found success in with your plugins and you know I look at the discrepancy between the way plugins are managed on .org and the way themes are managed on .org and I just want to rip my hair out because yeah. number one I think it's great that there's a moderating team that notices things like reviews uh, going up uh, on the uptick you know and, and actually pays attention to those things because it's certainly not happening on themes and, you know, I had to do a song and dance to get attention on a theme that was blatantly gaming the downloads, which was increasing its visibility because it was raising up in the, in the rankings in, in uh, the most uh, popular theme section, right? Which was kept getting featured mm -hmm. again over and over again. And it's just like one side is like plugins just seems like a whole different marketplace in terms of, well, obviously because there's two different management teams, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, but it drives me nuts because themes continue to be exploited, right? Yeah. And, and this whole marketplace of .org, on one side, folks like you and I have to realize that we have to have a plan for making money outside of .org so that when stuff like this happens, we're prepared for it, right? Just like everybody shouldn't base their business on Facebook. Uh, you shouldn't base your business just in .org. And, but on the flip side is there's money. There's over the, over the years, billions of dollars being transacted through .org. Everyone knows that people are making money in this. So why not have authorized authors or a little verified tag or badge for people like you and I who put out good work, support the clients, support the customers, 
answer questions, have a fruitful business. Um, it's maddening that a few volunteers can bring down the house on people. Um, but at the same time, I look at it and say, hey, shame on us for putting all of the, the eggs in one basket. Um, but there's got to be some even some even ground to 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 work through these channels. I think you yeah. obviously, like you said, up and back in 24 hours, but losing the reviews was quite maddening. Uh, obviously. Yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. Um, I don't. I, I'll go ahead and disagree with you a little bit. But I don't think we necessarily need a like a verified tag, right? Um, uh, just because that's going to create like a classes yeah. system within the dot org repo. It but um, I think that there should be more transparency. Um, I believe that, um, I, you know, I, I really commend everybody over there. So whatever I say now, I, I hope it, it doesn't be um, uh, construed as like me um, harping on them or being mean to them in any way. Like I respect them and I respect that what they're doing over there. They're volunteers and they work really hard, but I do believe that there needs to be like more transparency. I, I, it, it comes down to like during this process, it seemed to me that, um, few people, uh, had their hands on like this instance. And I can only speak for this instance in my, in my case, right? It, it seemed like only a few people had um, their hands in the decision. Now, whether it came down to one person making that final decision, I don't know. I don't know if it came down to two people. I, it really, it, it frustrates me that, um, there's like a disparity between, um, the community of .org and the community that we are in. Right. Um, I, I believe that, you know, when I, when I talked to them and I said, uh, you know, we as a community, I, I believe that I was part of that community. I, I believe that honestly now I still am part of it, whether I'm forcing myself in that um, community or not by the works that I do, um, not just because I don't um, volunteer. But, um, uh, well, let me clarify. I think I do volunteer through my time and the free product that I offer, but I don't volunteer as in doing plugin reviews or doing support on the forums and whatnot. But, um, I, I think there needs to just be transparency. I think there needs to be like, if big cases like this happen, right. So th they can throughout the process, they continually mention that I wasn't the only case. Right. But I, I never heard of any other case. And I, I looked on Slack and I looked for like other instances of this happening. I looked for blog posts. I never heard anything. So, uh, and and in this case, like if I actually had, if there was precedent set before me, then I would know whether uh, what I was doing was right or wrong. Um, I still think that there's a gray area. And now if they don't agree with that gray, gray area, that's perfectly fine. You know, um, they need to set the rules and they need to enforce them. That's completely okay. But the thing is, is that if we as plugin authors or theme author, author authors um, try to fit into this gray area to help our businesses. We don't, we're, we're subjective to um, 
to rules that we might not know exist. Right. Um, uh, and that's the thing. Like if, if there was like transparency is a sort of hyperbolic term right now because, um, it can mean so many things, but you know, guidelines can be updated. A, a conversation could be had before this happens, uh, before, um, the case happened to me, like somebody could have reached out. Right. And I know that that's just not a policy that they want to do, but um, maybe a conversation could be had in a Slack channel or something like that. And whether, you know, it's, it's on onus of me to listen for alerts for my name or my plugin, but um, there should be some type of like conversation happening. And there's no, like, there's no conversation that I'm privy to that had happened. Now, um, yeah, I, I guess that's all I have to say about that, but in short time after that, in a yeah. real David versus Goliath or Dan versus Goliath moment, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you realize, or you find, uh, and maybe you can just tell us how you found it. Maybe you just your own Google search, but you find that fresh books is bidding against keywords against your branding. Um, for Sprout Invoices. Give us the, the, the lowdown on that. How did you find it? And then what did you do to get them to give you a million dollars? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what did you do to get them to stop? So um, I believe, I could be wrong, but I, I do have to like mention him anyways because he's been helpful through the, like, the review thing too. Um, but Zach Katz on um, the post status Slack channel reached out to me. I, I'm almost sure it was him. If it was somebody else, I'm sorry. Um, but uh, he reached out to me and said that, uh, oh, look, FreshBooks has a an ad when you search for Sprout invoices on Google. It says something like Sprout invoices. Um, it, it, it says Sprout invoices like in the title tag of the ad. And then it says something like FreshBooks is, I don't know, the best invoice product around or something, something weird like that. Um, uh, but anyways, yeah, so he reached out to me. I was flattered in a way, but also like frustrated that they would use that term, Sprout Invoices, in a way that look to be like attacking my product or attacking my business in a way, not attacking, but like overly competing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and yeah, I, so the way that I got around, okay. So, um, sorry, let me back up. Um, I reached out or not reached out. I, I filed a trademark claim through Google and, um, it, it seemed like it took like weeks. Um, it, it definitely took a month, but I want to say like four to six weeks for it to be, um, finalized. And, uh, they took down or they notified FreshBooks in a way. I'm not really sure how that process works, but they closed down their ad or they contacted FreshBooks and told them not to use the Sprout invoices, uh, the term within their ads. And, um, it finally got taken down. Then I wrote a blog post about it and, uh, it got out somehow. Some, somebody at FreshBooks contacted me and mentioned that, um, that it wasn't intentional. 
However, um, their reasoning wasn't, I mean, I, I default to trusting whoever, um, whatever somebody says, right? Like I, if I, I just have to do that, but I don't really like the answer that they gave just because the technical reasons of it that they're using, um, I forgot exactly what they were using. Um, something with uh, the terms being like magically inserted into the the title. But um, anyways, long story short, sorry, is that uh, they put up an ad that said Sprout invoices, bill anytime, anywhere, freshbooks.com. <laughs> it wasn't. I, I, I would be, <laughs> I'd be, la- I, don't, I don't mean to laugh at that, but it's like, how does that accidentally, ad- like that wasn't intentional. Oh, really? <laughs> like you just somehow decided to start off your ad with Sprout invoices. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and okay, so so now that I have the blog post up, so they blamed it on um, broad match and keyword insertion. Now I looked over the articles or the documentation for broad match and keyword insertion <laughs> And I used to do Google like ad stuff at my old, the old company that I used to work for. And I know that was like 10 years ago, but that's just not how it works. Right. Like this was definitely, maybe I just don't understand the API now, but I also like in the back of my mind is like, okay, well, they see a competitor raise up the marketing team at FreshBooks. They see a competitor move up. Um, uh, they see possibly that people are exporting, um, their, uh, their, you know, user data from FreshBooks into a product called Sprout invoices. So maybe they have to look into it. Maybe just the term Sprout invoices is popping up and they have to, um, they go, Oh, okay, well that's a term that's like pro coming up in Google. So let's just take that term regardless if they if they knew that it was a product or not i think it was uncool but i'm not going to say that you know they maliciously like went after me like i i, I really right. can't see that I, I can just say that they just like did something not cool and uh um it's somewhat flattering in a way that uh, like i i i created something for them to for that to be on their radar like I thought that was a pretty cool moment, but um, yeah. Anyways, it's gone now, and they reached out to me and they said that they're actually not going to do in they they remove Sprout invoices from their keyword list, which is good on them. Um, but I mean, at for I, I don't know how long this is this took place. Like maybe a year. I don't know. I don't know how many customers I lost, but or maybe gained. I have no idea. Sure. Sure. Um, boy, man, for a, a one man shop, you can qu- cause quite a ruckus. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I try to stay quiet too. Like <laughs> I don't like doing this type of stuff, but like the, the whole like review thing, um, like I, I just wanted to voice my frustration and then some friends like Zach, like he posted about it. He was like more upset than I was at the moment. So he got like some movement or community like ruckus around it or whatever, a new WP drama or something. And then (laughs) this was like, this was like one of those things um, where I was like sort of proud. It was sort of like a proud moment. And I actually needed help as to like how to get rid of this because they were stepping on my trademark. right? Right. So, um, 
I, I, the community at post status was able to help me with that. And then, um, it became like a, like a cool effect, I guess, of, you know, creating a business to the point where like a huge SaaS competitor could actually like be influenced, whether indirectly or directly, I don't know, but I like to think somewhat directly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome stuff. Let's switch gears to the, uh, the third final, uh, we only get three, we only have three gears in this car. Uh, the <laughs> third final gear, gear here is sort of just some of the, the stuff you're doing on the website. Um, just kind of interested to learn sort of, you know, like you said before, you're just you're sort of just testing things out. Might not be a pro at it, but you're trying things and seeing what sticks, seeing what works. Um, like I said at the top of the show, we did a marketing teardown a little while ago, kind of going through, and I'll hopefully link that up here in the show notes. But uh, look, I, I still think that for a product site, it's a great-looking product site. I think that from a lot of people that uh, that I've looked at before, myself included, uh, you have a lot of valuable information on the site and you do a really good job of like the social proof stuff of, uh, you know, the ratings, the testimonials showing that there's this growing community across the globe um, with all these key points. But what have you been trying recently on the site that that maybe you have seen a small uptick in. Like I noticed now you've got this sort of live chat thing here in the bottom corner. You've got the drop down, uh, like sale announcement with a limited time offer. Uh, mm -hmm. What bits have been, have been working for you that you think somebody could apply to their own website? Um, yeah, there's uh, let me, uh, let me say that that thing in the bottom right is just a help scout beacon. It's not like live chat, oh, okay. but it is like pretty cool to do support and stuff. And it's also helped. But anyways, uh, going back to the marketing stuff, um, that first press nomics in 2015, I believe it was in January really helped my business. Um, the, the business of it, uh, the business of sprout apps wasn't doing too well. Uh, I went out there to Pressnomics just to like maybe magically learn something. And I did. Um, I really like owe a lot to that conference and the people that I listened to at that time. Um, one of the things that I learned was uh, email marketing. Um, I don't like email marketing. Uh, I used to do email marketing ages ago um, at an I'm not that old, but <laughs> I was just about to say, uh, how like, old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm uh, 37, I think. Um, okay. So, but like 10 years ago, I was working in a company and we were sending out hundreds of thousands of emails um, multiple times a week. And I hated it. I, I learned to despise email marketing. But something that I learned at Pressnomics was you have to do email marketing. Like, you really do. And, and the contact points that, um, I thought of on the drive back from Arizona, uh, was what I came, what came to what, what workflows that built and worked for me. Um, I, I collected email or I'm collecting email addresses through like the demo collecting email addresses through, um, the free version, actually, if they're able to, like, if they want to um, pass that information on to me. And I'm able to, like, track that information, too. Um, I felt very, like, scummy in a way, like, spending two to three weeks, like, building all this stuff in January. 
But I think the reason why I'm still around is because I did it. Um, business has not only like in January it became steady and then constantly grow grew after that. And um, by the beginning of January in the end of December of 2015, it it's been like a 50% increase or something like that. So um, like. I fully feel like if you're not doing email marketing, then you need to, um, <laughs> you need to either do it or just be, um, content with the business that you currently have. Um, do you think you've seen better success? And I mean, I, I pretty much know the answer just by what you're saying here, but what about like everyone's saying, well, you, you have to do content marketing too. Do you kind of, do any of that and tie that into your email marketing or are you just like, Hey man, I'm all in email marketing. So, um, there is like a, uh, multi pronged approach that I don't know how many prongs are there. So I'll just, <laughs> it's a so, spork. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Uh, so it, it's, it comes down to me for email marketing and, um, uh, oh man, what uh, uh, affiliate marketing. So while uh, you say content marketing, I, I never went out to blogs or like I never went out. I, I actually did. I went out to like WP Tavern. I sent emails to like to post status and all the everybody. It's like, hey, I launched this Sprout invoices. You want to write about it? Only um, <laughs> I only got one article and somebody at uh, WP Tavern wrote it and I, I really thank her. Um, but uh, anyways, so I, I did that once and I did that before and shortly after the launch two years ago. Um, what I do now focus on is affiliate marketing in a way. So what I did early on and I haven't done it in a while is I searched out all the articles that said something like best WordPress plugin for invoicing or something like that, best invoicing plugin. And I went to the authors of those articles and I asked them to review my plugin. And I also said that there, um, I have an affiliate program and most of those, it, it sounds sort of weird to say that, right? It, it sounds like, Oh, okay. I'm paying for them to review, but that's just how it works. Like every one of those, um, I mean those, those top 10 best plugins, most of those, those sites have affiliate links and the reason why they're, they're writing them is because of like that affiliate revenue coming in. Um, there are exceptions, but, um, affiliate marketing is like a big deal. So I went out after them and, uh, that's been a really good source. Um, I went and I did, uh, I set up customer IO and I know that the competitor I think is get drip but I just never like went after it. Somebody recommended customer IO because, um, uh, just somebody recommended it at Pressnomics. So I, I went after it and I'm feeding actions into, um, well, Oh wait here before I go on and say how I'm using customer IO, do you have any like questions or comments or anything? No, I, I think you're hitting all the nails on the head as you go along here. Okay, cool. So, um, with customer IO, it's not just like, Oh, okay. You send them, um, some email addresses and then they send out it like an email. 
like on a delivery time. No. Um, what you want to do is you actually want to like send actions. So like, uh, here's an example. Um, somebody that demos, uh, sprout invoices and goes to the purchase page and never does anything else. That person is completely different than somebody who comes directly to the site, goes to the purchase page, and adds the product to the cart. And that person is completely different than somebody that comes in through a Google ad, um, adds it to the cart, goes through the checkout process, and doesn't complete it, right? So I have email campaigns, or uh, with quotes around it, um, uh, directing towards like certain types of people. I have, I have like over 10, I think different types of emails trying to, um, trying to communicate to those people. So like somebody demoing, um, and going to the purchase page, uh, that person probably looked at the price and was like, no, I'm not going to do this. Um, because of the price, right? Somebody that added it to the cart um, and took a while on that cart page and never checked out, that person might be okay with a price, but might have been distracted and might need to be reminded to come back. Um, somebody who goes through the checkout process and doesn't complete it, it, there might be like an error on the checkout page. So you might want to send them an email that says, Hey, um, you know, I see that you might have had a problem during the checkout. Um, please let me know what the issue was or let me know how I can help. So, um, so you want to contact not only the customer prospective customers differently, but you want to get their attention, right? So you don't just send a blanket email saying, Hey, I saw you visited my site. Here's a discount code. Like you try to communicate with them. So that way you can get that open, um, that email open. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, customer customer IEO is definitely, and 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 well, correct me if I'm wrong, but <clears throat> it's probably not for the faint of heart either because it probably takes some time to get this all set up, right? I mean, any oh, yeah. marketing automation yeah. takes time to get set up, but it's definitely something that's uh, where if you looked at it to maybe drip uh, Drips email automation or Mailchimp's automation. I think Drips getting a, a lot more advanced now to maybe tackle some of these things. But I, yeah. I think from a development standpoint, like you said, like capture the email from the demo and when they visit a page, like I don't think a lot of those types of technologies exist as deeply as they do in customer IO in Drip. But um, I'm, I think they're certainly moving there. But customer IO being one of those like man this thing is a, this is a machine but it's going to take you some time to to really get it set up and and finally t and fine tune the way you know that you have it yeah you you have to create segments they're called and then once you put people in different segments based on their actions um then you can send them emails based on like their segments right so um another good thing is like okay somebody who's demoed the um the product uh, two days ago, but hasn't installed the free version. Um, you want to go after those people and say, like, oh, what did you find in the demo that um, you that didn't like fit your need, right? Um, so communicate with them, and, and I get like good responses. Um, whether it's just like, oh, your product's 
piece of shit or something and I don't want it, but, uh, or, but no, I get, I get responses like, Oh no. Um, you know, I installed it on this site and I'm really enjoying it. And, um, yeah, customer or the segment or the callbacks or the beacons or whatever you want to call them. Um, like those are failing in that moment. So I accidentally put them in the wrong segment, but it started a conversation, right? So, um, that's what I'm trying to do is just start conversations with the people, whether it's a one-way communication or not, it doesn't matter. And what about just uh, wrapping up here? What about the like just typical email newsletters or email content delivery? Are you using customer IO to just send out the generic sort of like, hey, this month I'm doing X, Y, Z, and here's some important or fun industry news or something like that? Or do you not get into that? At all. No, I don't. I, I really don't. Like the only emails that I send out for um, like the quote newsletter that I have is people that have signed up through it through the checkout process or somebody who's signed up like on my site, the newsletter. And that's just um, republished blog posts or uh, I mean, it's a it's they're all in MailChimp and MailChimp like looks at my feed and goes, oh, there's a new po post. Let me send out this email. That's basically it. Um, my newsletters are actually like sparse and and not. Um, I, I don't do content marketing. Like I don't I like hire writers or anything. So um, I don't really have anything like to say or to send out. Is that because there you don't see uh, an immediate value, or is it because this other stuff is just working so well that there's not uh, you know a need to go up into another channel? So. Um, content marketing is something that I thought of very heavily at the last Pressnomics, um, and only because I heard stories of like how like good it was. Um, but I, I don't see, um, the payoff. Uh, the reason why I don't see the payoff is because I'm trying to run this bit like very, um, lightweight, you know? Yep. So when I have to pay somebody, $500 or a thousand dollars to do like a really good blog post or a, a set of blog posts. Um, I see that as like direct bottom line, like how many licenses in order uh, do I have to sell in order to, um, to, uh, like, um, recoup that. to make this. Yeah. Yes. Recoup it. Right. So, uh, I, I don't see that. And, and the reason why I don't is because like, Okay, well, how can I judge that? If if I put out an awesome blog post and I get um, ten new purchases attributed through the links in that blog post, how do I know that those people wouldn't have purchased anyways if I reach them through another cheaper channel? Right. Um, it, it's probably naive of me to say, like, to think that, but in in other words, because I haven't done like an A/B test, I haven't really like done content marketing to find out now. It also goes back to me saying, you know, sales are really good right now, really good enough to like support me, right? Like I don't need, I don't need to grow as much as I did early on. So I'm comfortable. I, I don't really have to step outside of the box that I'm already in. Um, I need to make that box like slightly bigger and gradually growing, right? But I don't need to like break down the walls and try something new. Yeah. No, that's that's a that's a perfectly valid answer and perfectly valid strategy. I think that um, you know, thinking back to I can't remember who did this, um, but 
you know, like there's, or actually I, I know one, one example recently in the WordPress product Facebook group, which is a Facebook group just for WordPress product people. Yeah. Um, I believe Jason Coleman posted something about like a, you know, people try to use the product, they get frustrated, they just want a refund or they want this like fix to happen, whatever that might be. And, you know, the typical response is, well, we don't do that. Sorry, here's a refund. But then he tried to say, you know what, in, in this case, I'm going to, um, I'm going to help people at like a white glove level where I'll, you know, you got a problem. I'll, I'll even log into your WordPress site and, and fix it for you. Um, you know, reg- you know, he said almost like regardless, no matter what it was, I was going in and fixing it. But even yeah. out of that segment of people, you know, I forget what the number is off the top of my head, but 60% ish, we're still demanding a refund anyway. <laughs> um, you know, and what's interesting is, is, you know, WordPress plugins and we've been saying this and I'm, I'm talking about the collective we is the maybe maybe not you but I know a lot of folks who say like we should all be charging more money so that maybe we can do like these these you know white glove services or that mm-hmm. there can be a better level of service because I mean what do people expect for $39 uh, just throwing yeah. that number out there like what do you expect for that fee or for that price um, but maybe if it was $99 we could you know, get our hands a little bit more dirty and service the customer a little bit better. But uh, perfectly valid reason for you to say, like, uh, you know, everything else is working. I'm a, I'm at a level that's is better than good. It's in a sounds like it's a good to great zone. Um, yeah. You know, and if you can get to a great zone, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. But you're at a level where, look, you don't need to invest in these areas, and and, and good on you for not chasing, uh, you know, a trend, right? that's that's happening right now so i do completely agree that um plugin authors theme authors need to start charging more like it's when you're in services right you you base your uh rate on value right i i don't see a lot of plugin authors i don't see a lot of theme authors actually um um charging or pricing their product based on value like that's what I did early on. And maybe that's why, you know, my sales weren't that great early on, but, um, I'm rather expensive. Like my product's pretty expensive with a discount. The cheapest is 60 bucks. Like I, I think that uh, any lower than that is sort of like ridiculous. Um, now my product might be different than some other products. Right. And, and it's up to like the plugin author to judge whether what the value is, but also like value your time, like value the support that you put into it. Like if you're doing a shitty job with support, then yeah, sure. Like it should be a $5 plugin, but if you really want to do good support, then you should be charging for it or maybe wrapping it differently. Like there's a lot of like really like good ideas. Some people are having right now where you know, you buy the license, but you're not buying support, and then you have to buy support separately. I don't, I, I don't think that I'll go that route, um, but I, I think it's an interesting route, especially for those smaller plugins that are like um, one feature plugins. I forget the term or name that people use on those, but um, yeah, I really strongly do believe that we need to move more into like a value based and look at the competition outside of WordPress too. Like if you can, if you have competition, then look at that. 
like I looked at FreshBooks and Harvest in order to determine the price that I was going to set. So, yeah, that's I mean, amazing advice and a great way to end this episode. Dan Cameron, you are a giant in my eyes. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care what you say. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Well, here, let me say this. So if I have to look up to you, Matt, how <laughs> big of a giant are you? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, I'm Dan Cameron on like almost everything, but I'm on Twitter um, as Dan Cameron. I have a blog, dancameron.org, that um, actually like went over a lot of the topics that we discussed today, um, the review stuff, the fresh book stuff. Um, the email marketing, it's probably on like the second or third page, but it's on there on the blog. Um, I try to post stuff, uh, uh, you know, that's going on in my life, not only through business, but through my life too. But, um, anyways, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Like you said too. Awesome interview. Everybody, mattreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list where one day I'll send you email too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, if you did enjoy it, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everyone. Did you enjoy this episode? Head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. It really helps. I say it all the time, but it definitely definitely does always reach out to our guests and say thanks uh, we always link them up at the end of the show to share their twitter account or wherever they can be found online so make sure you go ahead and do that they spend a lot of time with us and thank our sponsors pagely and valet for keeping the matt report going until the end of the year if you're interested in sponsoring the matt report you can get a hold of me it's mattreportblog at gmail.com or just mattreport.com slash contact reach out uh, we are looking for sponsorships going into 2017 again if you want to sponsor one of the premier wordpress podcasts out there go ahead and reach out mattreport.com slash contact 